Welcome to the Living Waters Church Sunday Sermon. But the one thing that is very obvious when we look at these people that we model after, the one thing that is very, very obvious is we can't hide behind I'm not good enough. With Assistant Pastor Chad Campbell. You hear people say, I don't need church anymore. I don't need to, to talk to people about God. God and I have a thing. It's between us. We're good. We understand. No, it's not. Yeah, you may go to heaven, but God wants to bless you abundantly, and you're stopping it. Join us here each week for the Living Waters Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. So these people in the Bible, even the disciples, say the wrong things all the time. They get corrected all the time. They're imperfect sinners much of the time, and God still uses them to change the world. Now, let's join Assistant Pastor Chad Campbell for this week's Sunday Sermon. Grace is God's unmerited favor for us, His crazy love. And the truth is, many times we struggle understanding it. If you find yourself struggling to understand God's grace, don't beat yourself up. Even the disciples struggled with understanding grace. Jesus, said you? You're alive. I can't believe you're alive. Okay, I was in the boat and I wasn't catching any fish, okay? But I heard this voice and the voice said, cast your net to the other side. And so I'm thinking, I'm a fisherman. I know what I'm doing, but I'm not catching any fish, you know? And so I throw that net over there and then a gaggle of fish pop into that net and I'm going, this is a total miracle. Who could have done that? I need to know who told me to throw the net to the other side. And boom, I look up and I mean, there is you. You're looking at me on the seashore going, it is I, the Lord. And you're alive. I can't believe you're alive. This is awesome. Andrew, get out of the boat. Come on. Peter, yeah. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. I love you. You're alive. This is so great. Good. Then feed my sheep. Andrew, get out of the boat. Come on, man. It's him. Peter. Yeah. Do you love me? I love you. Yes. And I'm so sorry about that rooster clucking. I had no idea what that meant, but I do not. I'm better for it. All right. Okay. Then feed my sheep. Andrew, I'm smiling, but I'm serious. Come on, get out of the boat. It's him. Peter. Yeah. Do you love me? Jesus, mere words cannot describe the passion that I have for you. I love you. You know everything. I love you. Good. Good. Then feed my sheep. I didn't even know you had livestock. That is so like you, though. There's something new about you all the time. That's what I love about you. Peter, Yeah. do you remember uh, the morning the ladies went to the tomb? Yeah, 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 yeah. We're all in the upper room trying to figure out what to do next, you know, because we thought you were dead. You know, you were dead, you know, and we're trying to figure all that out, you know. And Mary comes running up, and Mary's like saying, beehive, beehive, beehive. And I'm thinking, I'm allergic to bees. Like, keep them out. You know what I'm saying? But as she kept getting closer, I heard her correctly. She was saying, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. And we're going, who's alive, who's alive? And she said, she was at the tomb, and the tomb was empty. And she said that the, there was an angel there. And the angel said, go tell the disciples and Peter that everything is okay. He is risen. And so me and John, we hightailed it down there. And if John says he beat me, he's totally lying, all right? I beat him, FYI, all right, you know? And we get down there, and I'm looking in that tomb, and it is. It is empty. There's nothing in there, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, what does this mean? What does this mean? And John is right there. John is so good with words. He should write a book. He is so good with words. And John said, don't you get it, Peter? This is everything Jesus said he was going to do, and you did it, and it's done. Let's go. This is so great. Wait. Yeah. The angel said what? Uh, go tell the disciples and Peter that everything is okay. He is risen. You've risen. Let's go. This he is said go. what? Go tell the disciples and Peter. Go tell the disciples and Peter. You said my name. Why did you say my name? 
Peter, that's grace. No, no, I don't, I don't deserve that because that night people kept coming up to me asking me if I belonged to you, if I was with you, and I kept denying you left and right, all right? No, it'll take me my whole life to make up for what I did. It was unforgivable for no, what I did. No, What I did on the cross was meant to take what is unforgivable and make it forgivable. That's my grace. It's not about you. It's always about me. That's grace, Peter. So there's stories that um, when I was real young that still come back into my mind. Um, I'm from West Virginia, and when I was six years old, um, I, I chewed tobacco, and I had a guy behind me, one of my friends, his brother, we would give him the money, and he'd go buy all of our chew for us, Levi Gold, <laughs> big old balls of it. And I didn't have any money, so um, I looked out my window, I saw my mom's purse, so I went down to her car, took $10 out of my mom's purse, and um, was supposed to give it to him that afternoon, and then my mom came, she left, she came back home, and she was in this frantic, she's like, I went to go buy this dress, and I had all my money, and I get there, and I can't find $10 that I needed for this dress, and I'm supposed to have this dress this weekend, and my heart just broke when, when she said that, and I was like, I got to get this money back into her purse before she finds out, so um, I saw my moment, and so I'm walking down the hallway, and I have to walk down the stairs, and all of a sudden, here comes my mom up these stairs with the laundry basket, so I shoved the $10 down my shirt so I could just get out the door that's just right behind her, and you guys all know what happened, right? The $10 fell out the bottom of my shirt, and like I go right back to feeling. I can, I can still feel how I felt right now. I still feel it. My mom's boyfriend was in high school. He had a bunch of Porsches and BMWs, and I had this new little Nissan truck, and I was backing out, and I backed right into his passenger door and put a big dent in this BMW, and uh, I just took off. I just left. It was in my own driveway, and I just left. I'm like, well, maybe they won't notice it. Maybe they won't notice it. And guess what? They didn't notice it until they got to the restaurant, and they came out of the restaurant. They thought somebody hit and run and hit their door. And I never told them, never told them, until about 10 years ago, I told them. You know what they did? They laughed at me. They laughed because they didn't care. But still, I still feel, I see it's taking me right back to that same place. I can still feel it. I even tried to buff out the marks from his paint on the back of my truck to try to get him out of it, and I couldn't do it. And I thank God I am not running for president. I'm not running for Supreme Court because all this stuff keep coming up, keep taking me back to every one of those episodes, and I do not want to go there. I don't want to because I still feel this whole undeserving, unworthy, and these are small little things in my life that I did. I would, the, the, the horrible things in my, my life, the things that still plague me, that I've done, that I'm still waiting for opportunities to apologize to people, and the things that I still pray and hope that people don't find out about me. I don't want people to know that stuff. I just pray and hope that it never comes back and bites me in the butt and I have to relive that. Because in my mind, in my mind, I'm a horrible person. Because I know what I've done. In my mind, I'm a horrible sinner. In my mind. And yet, people say, God's working through you. 
where people say, God wants to use you. God wants to work through you. And you're like, no, <laughs> there's no way this sinner that God wants to use this guy. There's no way. Isn't that what we all think? Really, I mean, be truthful, you guys. Like, this almighty God that can do anything that he wants, and he's gonna use this sinner that I know what I've done that I can't get past myself a lot of times, and I still hope that things don't come up and bite me in the butt later on. And he wants to use that The Bible says we are all sinners. We are all unworthy. All of us have a sinful nature that affects every part of us. Example, even a little tiny child will lie without even knowing that somebody's lying to that child. We're born like that. We have that in us. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All right, enough of the depressing stuff. 24, the good news, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. A couple weeks ago, we talked about I'm a sinful man, sinful in my own mind. I'm a sinful man. But through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, through me going through Jesus, God doesn't see me as how I see me. God sees me as Jesus. God sees Jesus when he looks at me. Why in the world? That doesn't make any sense. But that's our God. That's the grace of our God. That's the grace of our God. Though I am sinful, when I ask for forgiveness now, now God sees Jesus. I still, I'm, I'm preaching this, and I still have a hard time grasping that. I still have a hard time holding on to, sees Jesus? because I still see myself not good enough. I still see myself as I'm going to get in the way of whatever God wants to do because of who I am. I had a guy just last uh, two nights ago just say to me, you know, just horrible things are happening. I just had to get everything fixed. I got to take care of everything, and then I go back to church. Then I'll go back to Jesus doesn't happen like that. We're never going to fix it, and we're never going to get to that perfect place because of who we are. But when we're standing in front of God, you are there. When we're standing in front of God, he doesn't see that. He sees Jesus, which is amazing. If you don't feel like this, you're probably not searching yourself deep enough. I'm just going to say it. You're not looking. You're ignoring it. You need to get in your closet and you need to go soul searching. You need to get deep. Because these are the things that hold us back from doing what God's asked us to do or the things that hold us back from God pouring his blessing out upon you. And that's what I want to show you this morning. I want to show it. Through God's grace, grace, undeserved acceptance and love received from another. Undeserved favor granted by a superior to an inferior. Undeserved. We receive grace because God pursues us. You'll hear people say many times, I'm, I'm, I'm going after God, I'm going after God. No, you're not. You're not. God is pursuing you. You're just starting to listen. God pursues us. God comes after us. 
And we get the choice to open our ears, to open our hearts, to listen or not. I told you guys it's kind of tough. I'm sorry, I've been going through this for a month, so I'm glad just to just vomit this all over you guys so that I can move on with my life, all right? I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. We receive the grace because of who God is and how great he is. So why is this so important? It's so important because when we can realize that God doesn't see us the way that we see ourselves, it starts to free us a little bit. It starts to release us a little bit. Gives us some joy. But the the biggest reason why I wanted to point this out is because God works through unqualified people. This whole month, Pastor Jay's been praying about, or um, preaching about works of God. And this is about how does God work? How does God work? God works through us. He works through us. Yes, God loves the relationship with you. Yes, he wants that personal, intimate relationship with you. He wants you to, to love him, to put him first, to spend time with him to trust him. Yes, that's what he wants, but that's not your purpose. Your purpose is not to sit in a corner with just you and Jesus. Our purpose is to do God's work. It's a relationship between God and us. Because he works, he works through a disqualified Sinner, right? Let me show you this. Go ahead and show that next video right now. Let's just go to this, Bob, please. Let's just go to this. All right, next up, um, King David. Thanks for coming, King David. What qualifies you to be our next small group leader? <clears throat> well, what was that word you used uh, before my name? Uh, king? Yeah, King, right. How many of those am I up against? My strengths. Uh, plagues. I'm pretty good with the staff. Can't decide who gets the last brownie? Cut it in two. Boom. Wisdom. Um, parting large bodies of water. Desert survival skills. Weaknesses. <laughs> Weaknesses. Mountain climbing. Um, commandment retrieval. Does that look weak to you? And I can make a pretty mean goat sausage. Okay, I mean, maybe haircuts. Women, whose isn't? <laughs> so I lied, I said my wife was my sister. They were gonna kill me. <laughs> Why are we even getting into this? I'm just not sure we're comfortable with you in a leadership position. Look, it, it, Jesus Christ himself called you Satan. He was trying to make a point. Get thee behind me, Satan? I believe is the exact quote. Bathsheba. I knew you were gonna go there. It was a rock to the back of the head. I really regret that it happened. And that's when you slept with the maid? My wife said she was fine with it. Abraham. What? Come on. Okay, timeline. Um, first I slept with his wife. No, 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 no. I didn't kill Christians. Then I lied to him. I was just watching people's coats. Then I had him killed, okay? They killed Christians. It's a long time ago. Besides, that was a different guy. That was Saul. I've never killed anyone. 
What? You got somebody giving you beef? Huh? You need something taken care of? Where's the app? Yo, bring it, huh? Didn't you deny Christ three times? No. I'm pretty sure you did. No. Yeah, I'm almost positive. Uh, no. Okay, I did. No, I've never killed anyone. Why would you even ask that question? This is the guy. Hold on, I... I mean, I do have some questions about my qualifications. I've never been to seminary. Oh, you'll do fine. I really don't have a whole lot of experience. Do you love God? Yeah. Do you want to help people? Sure. Do you have a harem? No, I don't have a harem. <laughs> All right, we're good then. Thank you. Well, let, me, let me think about this first. Oh, 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 got her. Oh, wait a second. Look who has them. Still got the tablets. <laughs> so when we read the Bible, you know, these are all of the people that we're told to model our life after, right? We talk about these stories over and over and over and over again throughout the New Testament that referred to over and over and over again. And if we look at them, and you really do look at them, look at Abraham. So God tells Abraham he and Sarah are going to have a child. They laugh. They laugh at God. Took his own wife's maidservant to have a child, even though God already told them he was going to give them a child. And out of fear, he lied about his wife being his sister so that he wouldn't be killed. We don't talk about that much. Moses murdered an Egyptian, tried to make excuses of why he couldn't do what God was asking him to do. And out of supposed anger, God told him to speak to the rock to get water, and he struck the rock. And because of that, he didn't even get to take the people into the promised land. Remember, he's been leading them for 40 years, 40 years to globe, walking. And then he gets right outside by the, by the thing out there. I don't even remember what it's called. And God says, nope, there it is, but you don't get to go. <laughs> Murdering Egyptian, Samson, reckless, lustful. Rahab is a prostitute who hid the spies, but a prostitute, and in the lineage of Jesus. David had everything, everything, yet he still takes another man's wife and then has her killed, has him killed. Peter, anger, temper problems, cutting off people's ears. It's not normal, right? You don't just cut off somebody's ear because you're mad at them rebuked by Jesus, denied Jesus, even after he told him he was going to, he still did it. Paul wasn't a jacket person, he's a serial killer of Christians. Look at these people that we model our lives after. Why do we model our life after these people? Because we look at the positive things that they did, that God called them to do, which made enormous change. And we're able to look past their growth of getting to that place. But we have a very difficult time doing that with ourselves, And we have a very difficult time doing that with the people around us. So we have liars, murderers, lustful, adulterers, reckless prostitutes, angry, short-tempered, and people denied Jesus, denied the Lord and Savior. When Sam, God told Samuel to, to go anoint the next king, 
He goes to Jesse, says, bring me your sons. So Jesse brought his sons that he thought would be the king material. The king material. He goes, and Samuel's like, nope, this isn't them. Isn't there someone else? Because this is where God told me. He's like, oh, I got the little, the little guy out, you know, the shepherd. He's out there. He's like, well, bring him to me. Well, he's not king material. Bring him to me. Because God looks at the inner part of the person, not the outward part of that person. God looks at the inner part of you. God looks at Jesus in you, not at your past, not at the sins, not at the stuff that we continue to do, but he sees Jesus. He sees Jesus. And then he wants us to display that, those characters of who he is to the people around us, just as all of these sinners and liars and murderers and adulterers and reckless and prostitutes and angry, short-tempered, just as they did. He wants us to display that. We don't get to choose who gets to see the light and who doesn't. We don't get to choose that. And even though David did horrible things, he had to pay the consequences for those horrible things. But God still used him. He still used him to reach the people around him God still blessed him even though he did those horrible things. Even though we do these horrible things, he still wants to use us to reach those around us. Even though you do those horrible things, he still wants to bless you. I don't get it. I'm with you. I'm a sinful person. He still wants to. That's what he says he wants to do with us. He doesn't condone the bad behavior, and we have to pay the consequences. But the one thing that is very obvious when we look at these people that we model after, the one thing that is very, very obvious is we can't hide behind, I'm not good enough. Yeah. We can't hide behind, I'm not ready. We can't hide behind, I don't have any time. We can't hide behind that anymore. Because all these people that we model after are just like you. They are just like I am. We're sinners in our mind. And God works through us. Our spiritual walk is not about me and Jesus in a room by myself. It's not about, you hear people say, I don't need church anymore. I don't need to to talk to people about God. God and I have a thing. It's between us. We're good. We understand. No, it's not. Yeah, you may go to heaven, but God wants to bless you abundantly, these words. He wants to bless you, bless you, and you're stopping it. And you're like, no, God is blessing me. I am joyful. I'm peaceful. Yes, in your little corner by yourself, but you're not getting to see what God is wanting to use you for what's your true purpose here? People will tell me, they pray for, I have people, I am not kidding you guys, they tell me they pray for six to seven hours every day. They pray. That is awesome. You can pray six or seven hours, that's awesome. I don't know when you go have a relationship with anybody else though. When do you do it? When are you showing the characteristics of God and doing what God has asked you to do? Because remember, it's not about us. This is God's story. 
It's about God going through you and working through you and bringing you joy and all these treasures through being able to use you. I always wonder, like, God wrote the Bible. And why don't we just read the positive things? Why doesn't it just say, all right, God delivered the people from Egypt, God parted the waters, um, just why didn't God do this? Why didn't, God did this, God did this, God did this, God did this. Why does it always have the negative stuff in there? If God wants us to know how amazing and how wonderful he is, why does he also talk about David and Bathsheba? Why does he talk about Moses killing people? Why does he talk about Abraham doing this and lying? Why does he talk about all that? If you step back and get out of that for a second and take that whole bird's eye view and look down at that, you'll see because it's about a relationship between God and us. It's not about just what God does. It's about God taking us on a journey and changing us and blessing us and blessing all of those around us by us allowing him to do that. It's not about just you and God. It's about the relationship with you and God. It's about the vessel, you, me, the vessel. I heard an analogy by this person, and um, what they said is, we're not the treasure. Some people was like, I'm God's treasure. No, you're not the treasure. You're a vessel. You're a vessel. God is the treasure. God is the treasure. It's like you, you take a coffee can, right? When I'm done with coffee, I throw it out. My mother-in-law, she saves everything. She takes out the garden. She, doesn't, she gets mad when I throw something out. If anybody knows my mother-in-law, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? So when I'm done, I throw that coffee can out. There's no value to that coffee can to me. Now, put a million dollars in that coffee can. That coffee can is a vessel with an enormous treasure inside of it that is very valuable very valuable. We're a fragile vessel. So we can't hide behind the lie that I'm not good enough because none of these people that we model after, that we talk about in the Bible, that is talked about over and over and over and over again, none of them were good enough. Nobody's good enough to be a pastor. Nobody's good enough to be an evangelist. Nobody's good enough to be a worshiper. Nobody's good enough to do any of that. We're a vessel. But the treasure inside of you, that's good enough. That's good enough. That's what brings you the joy when you worship. That's what brings you the joy when you evangelize. That's what brings you the joy when you create a space for kids to learn about God. That's what brings that to you. That's the treasure. And that's the treasure that others get to see. That's what others get to have the treasure from you doing that. You look at the prodigal son. You know, the prodigal son, two brothers and their dad, and the youngest son says, Dad, I want all my money. I want my inheritance now. So instead of waiting until his dad dies, he takes his inheritance, he goes, and he just blows it all. He just goes spend all of his money. And, um, and then all of a sudden, he says, I need to go back. I'm not being able to eat. I'm not able to supply for myself. Even my father's slaves eat better than I do. So I'm going to go back and just ask my dad if I can be a slave just so I can eat. 
So he goes back, and the de- before he even gets back, the father sees him coming. He's like, my son, my son, send him, get him the robe, get the calf, let's fat this thing, let's eat this thing, let's celebrate that my son has returned. My son's returned. And the oldest is like, why? Why are we going to do that? Like, I've been here working for you the entire time. I haven't gone anywhere. You haven't given me a fatted calf. You haven't done anything for me and my friends. Why are you doing all of this for him? Like, I'm, I'm going through the day every day, working and, and studying the Bible and telling people about Jesus and doing this and doing that. Why are you going to bless him now? Why are you going to bless him? The Pharisees do the exact same thing. When the Pharisees get all religious, and so why these, these, the homeless and the poor and all of that, there's no grace. There's no grace for these people. It's all about the religion. It's about the religion, and they miss the understanding of the grace of God. When we see the drug addicts, we see the homeless, we see the adulterers, we, we see couples struggling, we see people making bad decisions, first thing we are to do, and don't say you don't do it. Well, they did it to themselves. Of course they did. They're going to pay the consequences for it. They will. So am I to shun them as a Pharisee? Because I am the exact same sinner as they are exact same. And if I want to continue to walk in the grace of God, why do I get to show, why do I get to choose who gets the light of God and the grace of God? Don't. It's hard, you guys. I mean, this is, I'm telling you, I've been going through this for four weeks because I still have I can, one person right now on the top of my mind that I still struggle with about being saved. I'm just being truthful, right? It's not very Christian-like. I don't want them to get saved. I shouldn't say this. I don't want them to. I know it's horrible, isn't it? Because I'm worried about the consequences of it. I'm worried about what can come from it. Now, that sounds horrible. I'm working through this, okay? Jesus and I are doing this together. Don't be judging me now. Don't be taking the light away from me now, all right? I see your faces. I'm just being truthful. You guys know what I'm saying. There's these things that are so free to us. The grace and the love of God is so free to us and yet so hard for us to receive for ourselves, because we know that we're the sinner. And it's so hard for us to freely give to those around us. And you guys can all judge me later, but that's the truth. I'm just, I don't even know why I said that, all right? I probably gone, went way too far with that, but it's the truth. We're all the same. Big fat sinners trying to figure out this thing called life together. Matthew 9, 12, but when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. People say the church is full of hypocrites and sinners. Amen. Not hypocrites, though. I'm not going to do hypocrites, all right? We'll take that one out. But we'll take the sinners. We're all in this hospital together. We're all in this life together, trying to figure this thing out, trying to figure out this whole thing of life and love 
and grace and God change me and God use me. We're all doctors to each other. We're all doctors to each other with our chief medical staff, God, telling us what to do. I'm all about the soldiers and captains. I know, but our medical staff, right? Telling us what to do. And for whatever reason, whatever reason, God wants to use each of us to do this. I can't understand. I don't quite get it. I don't quite understand it. But I know that that's what the word of God says. That's what the examples of the Bible say. And that's what we model our life after. So these people in the Bible, even the disciples, say the wrong things all the time. They get corrected all the time. They're imperfect sinners much of the time. And God still used them to change the world. Just like God wants to use us to change our world, to change Globe Miami, to change your family, to change you. He still wants to do that. No matter what we think in our own head of ourself and our past. You know, there's four to 5,000 churches that close every year in North America with the average church size of 85. 61% of the churches have less than 100 people, and 65% of those churches that are making it are all declining. This is good news. 35% of churches are doing good. 65% are declining. And the number one reason, when they did this study, the number one reason, because the people disengage from their culture. It's us versus them. It's us in here versus them out there. Instead of doing the thing that God has called us to do, to do his works, it's about us coming in here, we're worshiping together, we're praying together, we're a family, amen, it's awesome. And you hit the door, nope, it's in there. That's where my family is. My family's back in there. You're not my family. I'm not going to invite you to my barbecue. You don't talk about Jesus. Jesus was called what? Friend of who? Friend of sinners. That was a bad thing to be called. Jesus says, welcome it. Friend of sinners. I show the light of God to you. I let you show me the light of God to encourage me to help the lost, to help the sick. They don't allow God to use them. Instead, they just focus on them and God, and it's not about us and God. Yes, your foundation is your relationship with Jesus because God sees Jesus instead of this sinful person standing in front of him, but there's a purpose for that. There's a purpose. The purpose is to do the work of God. You know, we're, we're blessed here at this church. I think we have somewhere between 225, 250 people and between the two services. And we have about 50 volunteers, which is awesome. We do. We still need more. You believe that? We still need more people. We still need more people doing this. One of the most amazing things I've heard some churches, which we can never, I'm, I'm not gonna say that, but one of the amazing things is they go to church on Saturday night Seasoned Christians go to church on Saturday night so that on Sunday morning, they work amongst the people coming into the church. That's pretty cool. But that's the, that's the point, is that we have our relationship. We encourage each other, we doctor each other, but we still have our work to do together. Friend of sinners, friend of sinners. 
So I want to read this, uh, Luke 5. This is something that, that really just, after I just discouraged all this stuff, this is something that I want to totally encourage you with, okay? Because, and, and I was praying this on the way over, <laughs> on the way this morning. I'm like, God, like, help me to not be like that person and just bring everybody down. That's not what I want to do. Like, I want it to be me. Like, let's play. Let's have fun. Let's do this. But this has been, like, in me for the four weeks, and it's hard to play with it because I've been living as that sinner in my mind, recalling all of this stuff. And then God's saying, but it's okay. Like, wait, but God, but this, but that's okay. But in college, God, that's okay. That's okay. I see Jesus. I don't see who you see, Chad. I don't see that. I see Jesus. Luke 5, 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. Gennesaret Lake is um, also uh, Sea of Galilee, same place, okay? Lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets, getting into one of the boats. Did you catch that? He didn't even ask. He just got in one of the boats. I heard one pastor where he was <laughs> talking a little about this. He's like, if, if you think that's not weird, go get in somebody's car after service. All right? Just go get in their car. And when they come in, like, what are you doing? Why are you in my car? Like, I need your car right now. Can I have the keys, please? Just give me the keys. Kind of weird, right? He just got into their boat. When he got into the boat, which was Simon's, he then asked him to put it out a little from the land. So the crowd is coming behind Jesus, and he's coming, and they're coming down to this lake. They're coming down to here, and he can't see everybody. He can't see them. So he just gets into a boat. Hey, Simon, can you push out a little bit now so that I can see everybody? Simon says, okay. So he pushed out. He got into Simon's boat first without asking. Then he asked, hey, Simon, can we do this? Yes, Jesus. They pushed out, and Jesus sat in the boat. Got comfortable. Got comfortable in Simon's boat, in Peter's boat. Then he spoke to the crowd. After he got done speaking to the crowd, he said, hey, I want you now to push out into the deep. Oh, Jesus, we were just out there all night long. We were out there all night long and didn't get anything. Jesus, I already tried to do a children's ministry. It didn't work. Jesus, I already tried to preach one time. It fell flat on my face. Jesus, I already tried to sing. Everybody walked out because that's what would happen to me. Jesus, I already tried this. Jesus, I already tried that. Jesus, I already did this. Push out into the deep. Push out into the deep. And then I want you to drop your nets. Okay, we'll do it. Drop out. Go out into the deep. Drop their nets. So much fish, it says that they were afraid the nets were going to break. Jesus knows how to fish. All right. The creator who could change everything 
the creator who made the water, made that boat, got into Peter's boat. He could have walked on the water himself. He already talks about him doing that. He calmed the storms. He could do whatever he wanted out there. But yet, he got into Peter's boat first. Peter, can we do this? Can you and I do this together, Peter? Can I use your boat? Chad, I want to use your boat. Jeff, I want to use your boat. Justice, I want to use your boat. Can we do this? Will you let me? Can we partner together to do this life? I want the drug addict. I want the alcoholic. I want the divorcee. I want the adulterer. I want the poor. I want the business owner. I want the jobless. I want the homeless. Can I get in your boat? I've got something for you. Jesus, I have nothing left. Nothing left. I'm this sinner. I think of these things. Chad, can we do this? I just want in your boat. I'm just the vessel. Jesus is the treasure. And he just wants in our boat because that's where the blessings come is when the creator is in your boat. Can I use your boat? You know, um, one thing that happened, my wife, um, about a week ago, one of the girls that works at our office, she said, my wife had a dream and said, um, did, did your boyfriend ask you to marry him? She's like, no, why? She goes, well, I had a dream last night that he asked you to marry him. And she's like, oh, no, no, that, we'll see that day. You know, she's being all funny about it and everything. And then last night, she texted us, and she said, and it was her birthday. This was a week ago today, and it was her birthday two days ago. She said, did you guys really know? I'm like, know what? That her boyfriend really did ask her to marry him last night. Gene, can I use your boat? Those are words of encouragement to the people around us to know God is real. You're not a psychic. You can't predict the future. God blessed the, that couple because Jean told her what God had put in her heart that would never have touched them in a spiritual way if Jean did not allow herself to tell them what that dream was. Can I use your boat? And then God takes us out to the deep. How much faith does that, does that take? All right, God, you're in my boat. Okay, Chad, now I want you to go do this. Whoa, that shore's not there anymore, God. I can't just jump out. Chad, I want you to go to the deep now. You're all in. I want you to go all in. I don't know. I want you to go all in. And my nets break with fish because of the blessings. It's not about I do, he returns. It's that when I do what God is leading me to do and I work with God, partner with God in my boat, those blessings 
are just going to keep smothering you. Thank you for joining us today here at the Living Waters Church in Globe, Arizona. We hope you enjoyed the message. May you have a great week and may everything you do be blessed by God.